We'd like a word. Welcome back to part three of this episode of We'd Like a Word with me, Paul Waters. And me, Stephen Colgan, and the wine's nearly gone. Yeah, there's a wee bit left. And, and there's only two of them drinking it because I'm just having my coffee. And you've just heard Tina Baker, yes. author of Call Me Mummy. And we are also joined by Emma Gray, author of Be Good to Your Mummy. Hello. And we're talking about kind of unusual things people do to promote the book or innovative things. Tina, your next book after Call Me Mummy, remind us of the title again. Nasty Little Cuts. Nasty Little Cuts, dangerous title. There's a fitness instructor in it. Yes, and I am going to be doing star jumps in every Waterstones across the land that will have me. And you're going to be targeting shops that fail to stock your book. It's as an I'm extortion going to be making racket. Anybody who doesn't buy my book will be forced to do burpees. Uh-huh. Do you know, I get to a stage when all you're saying is, please buy my book, please buy my book. So you've got to do it funny, I think, even though the book, I mean, there's humour in it, but it's quite dark as well. And the next one, ditto, dark, murderous, class war, battle of the sexes, Christmas. We all want to kill our other halves at Christmas, do we not? No, all they're being very diplomatic in the studio, but their faces say otherwise. I just want too much food no. and to get slight, lightly slozzled and fall that's, asleep. That's my husband. Yeah. I want to club him to death sitting <laughs> in the sofa. He oh. had the ideal apocalypse. He sat there for 18 months on his computer. All right that, for some. He loved it. All right for some. I know. With you doing star jumps between him and the screen. Exactly, because yeah. I was teaching online, I was writing, I was marketing like a mad woman. Well, another person who's been marketing, I was, well, I'm hesitating to say mad woman because I keep getting told off by accusing people of being odd and mad, is Emma Gray. Now, we want to hear about some of the things you've been doing, Emma. But first of all, tell us about the book, because it's important that we know a bit about that first, because that puts what you've been doing in context. So The Good to Your Mammy is a darkly comic family drama. Um, It's told for the voices of three generations of the same Glaswegian Catholic family. And um, it's written in cross-generational Scots, which I'm aware was a bit mental for a first uh, novel, but I did it and people seem to have enjoyed it. Well, hold on a minute. Back up a minute. Cross-generational Scots. Yeah, for people so who don't know, what is that? So basically, each character's use of the Scots language varies depending on their age, social class, education. And it sort of looks at, I guess, Scots language, how people speak it in reality, because it, it, it's not the same old people would maybe speak it slightly heavier than younger ones. So that's something that I then reflected in the book. Tina was saying when I mentioned this, she said, what is that in Gaelic, like Scots Gaelic or like Irish language? Mm -hmm. I was saying, no, it is not that. Is it Irving Welsh? Because I love him. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing. And Douglas Stewart. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it's exactly like that. And it's weird, though, because there's not many like women's voices that have been written down in Scots. So yeah, I've been promoting it. Weirdly, it's become quite a controversial book by accident because there's nothing controversial in it. It's just the fact that it's in Scots. So that has unintentionally promoted controversy. <laughs> in what sort of reaction has it got? I mean, is it people complaining about the fact that maybe, you know, people have difficulty reading it? Or is it people having to go at the Scots language itself and saying it's not a real language? Because I've heard it's that Scots... thrown around a few times. Yeah, it's the Scots language itself. Um and unfortunately, it's sort of right now seen as a really political thing. So if you write in Scots, you're automatically like I've been called an SNP pawn 
which is news to me because I don't actually live in Scotland anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Scottish people are allowed to leave Scotland. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I like Ireland and I don't live there. Very, very politically divisive topic and people sort of think that anyone writing Scots is doing it because they are trying to promote Scottish independence. So I've been trolled very, very badly by unionists. Um, is it possible that getting trolled, as you say, isn't completely a bad thing? No, it's not. It's a difficult one because it did, the book did reach its highest ranking on Amazon because of the trolls, like because they started giving me bad reviews saying that like it was written in Scots, that it's not a real language. People were like tweeting Waterstones. They were that angry that this book existed. Like, how could you publish this? Which is mad considering train spotting exists. People get really riled up about it, but they think that they're putting people off the book when in reality it makes more people curious to read what it what it's about. I think that's hilarious. Well, there, there is an old adage, isn't there? There's no such thing as bad publicity. And I, I know a few years ago I, I got the opportunity to meet Katie Price. And because, um, well, she was filming in the studio that next was door. That was me hissing. That Tina wasn't is not a fan. Well, we were, we were filming QI in one studio and... Loose Women was being recorded in the studio next door. Oh, God, I've got door. the wrong Katie. I thought you meant Katie Hopkins. Oh, no. That, that, <laughs> oh, I've hissed the wrong person. That would be a <laughs> for me then. But um, yeah. but no, they were doing Loose Women in the studio next door. I and I was chatting to, to her. Katie Price and I said, trouble. how do you put up with the vitriol? How do you put up with all the hatred? Yeah. How do you put up with that? And she goes, well, you just have to learn to, to zone it out. And she said, and, and frankly, my career's built on it. Yeah. You know, she, she deals with it really, really she well. She does. Katie Hopkins has made a career out of it. Well, she has. By just being vile. Yeah, lover or yeah. hater, that's exactly it. She's made it, She's made a career out of being someone everyone loves to hate. Would it be too cynical to ask if sometimes people feed a hatred against them with the deliberate aim of, you know, raising their own publicity and raising attention and that sort of thing? Oh, yeah, completely. Like, after, like, I started mocking them on TikTok. I mean, they, none of them follow me on TikTok. I've not been brave enough to put it on Twitter, but I did. You know, what, did it, you it, do a little dance and go, na 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 na? I did that one where there's like a TikTok going around where someone like insults a family member and then their phone starts buzzing. And I just said, Scots is a real language. And then just my, my Twitter goes insane basically every time. I need to get tips off of you because I've just gone on TikTok and so far I've got 800 Russian football fans following me for no good reason. And there's no nudity on TikTok. So I have to say, I'm not on OnlyFans because I can see Paul looking at me just asking and I'm not. Yet. Yet. See how the next book goes. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's really interesting. That whole, I mean, there's a lot of authors in the past who have deliberately tried to court controversy just to, just to do exactly what we're talking about here. But the difficulty with, with books has always been that the authors generally, I found, and I've met a lot of them now over the last, God, God knows how many decades, but... A lot of them tend to be quite introverted, so they're not, you know, this whole new age of having to go out and promote your stuff is, is actually very difficult for a lot of them because they don't feel comfortable talking about their books, talking about themselves, being uh, in public. So the idea that some authors now, not you particularly, but some authors are now being deliberately controversial just to try and flog books is fairly extraordinary. Well, I mean, let's let's face it. I mean, the the success of things like um, Fifty Shades of Grey is is because of word of mouth, because it was kind of transgressive. You know, it was, it was something that, not just the actual content of the book, but the fact that there were so Pretending many people saying the book is terrible. You know, I've so read many all people. of them just to make sure they were as bad as the first one. I read the first one. That was enough. But, they, they, but the, the point is that it sold 
an awful lot of books, partly because people were bad-mouthing it so much. And saying it was badly written. Yeah. Do you know, there's a lot of snobbery about books. Oh, I think, you know, yeah. from what you said, it's a people. if there's nothing controversial in it, people are just being snobbish about reading language as it is spoken, mm. you know, and just being a bit lazy if you have to work a bit harder. Because nobody in Scotland would have to focus that much you'd hear it wouldn't you it's like roddy doyle i can hear his voice i can hear you know the scots come through of irving welsh i mean nobody really speaks like they do on eastenders you know it's it's a version thereof when you write it down it, it's always slightly different isn't it mm. so how are you coping with it all emma I'm like laying low. Like I, I like I, there is a line. I think when it comes to getting trolls, like there is a line, and they are starting to cross it now. Where it's like there's some authors who, who write in Scots who are much more deliberately prodding them, like with articles and stuff. And uh, the one I wrote that was controversial was literally like stop trolling people, especially women who write in Scots, because there's a few who it's really affected their mental health, and they haven't they have stuck up for themselves, and and that's that's all this has ever been. All I've ever done really to court it is sticking up for my friends which I wouldn't say is being particularly controversial it's so weird as well because it's turned into this argument that's so much more than the book it's like it's actually turned into an argument in part about trans rights which is bananas trans like my rights book, yeah my book has been tarted say like, they're like oh you're like a lefty liberal who thinks that people can you know write as they talk like why have you got mammy in your title because they're trying to cancel that word and I'm like what trying to cancel the word mammy yeah, like mum, they're trying to like raise women. That's all. Most of these people are in Scotland as well. These are Scottish people. Like Scotland appears to be the only part of the UK that hates itself. No, I think we all no, hate no, ourselves. We all hate, we all hate <laughs> ourselves. We're all really good at that. I'm curious about. There are some people who think the word "mummy." There's a problem with that word. Yeah. And what is the problem with that word? Apparently, so they're saying that like because trans women exist and because language is diversifying, which it always has, that basically you shouldn't use the word mother anymore because someone who's male-bodied might have a kid, which of course happens. So why would I use mammy? And I'm like, what? I'm sorry, RuPaul is I'm, known I'm... universally as Mama Ru. So... Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. You but know, I... that the word itself you can use for anybody, surely. Yeah, exactly. It's just such a non-argument. Like, it was a book that I wrote, and I really didn't think there was anything controversial in it, but just by how I wrote it, it became controversial. Oh, um, God, I feel really awful about this. I don't know what I can do to stop it, you know, happening to you. You can, I, that's the problem. I would you have really crumbled can. in the middle of shielding. All I had was social media. I'd not done it before. I had my Instagram and, you know, my Twitter and Facebook. And, and if people had started piling on to me, I didn't even know the word pile on. But, you know, for something I'd written, something was too controversial. I would have probably killed myself, and that's the honest truth, mm -hmm. at that point, because I was really low, I'm a really anxious person, and I can do the, the publicity and stuff like that. So it's just like, I feel outraged on your behalf. It's very it's very difficult, because the, these pylons are, are, are something that's, it's not really existed in the past. It's almost like you've been putting the stocks in the street, and everyone's throwing cabbages and eggs at you, and they don't know why they're doing it, it's just that everyone else is. Something that was interesting, I cracked a joke, and it wasn't even a very good joke about Trump, during during the time that he'd he'd done yet another silly thing, and I cracked a joke, and I got absolutely piled on by Trump fans to the extent that they were actually sending messages to the CIA and things like this, saying this man's doing death threats against Trump. It wasn't there wasn't even a mention of death or anything like that, and you 
kind of it's sort of for a while you, you think oh my god this is terrible and i just as it happens i just read john ronson's book so you've been publicly shamed where there was a story in there about a woman who cracked a joke on a tweet got on a plane flew to africa and by the time she oh, got I to heard, africa I yeah heard. her whole yeah. life had been dismantled and destroyed lost her job everything because people had taken her joke out of context and i thought oh my god this is gonna happen to me so i just came off twitter for 48 hours and then went back sort of just tentatively and then you realize it's all very ephemeral social media because Everyone had moved on. Everyone had forgotten. No one was talking about it. The, the people who'd been trolling me had moved on to somewhere else. It's it's those pylons. They're immediate, but they're gone as soon as they've happened. So that's the one thing you I can say to you that whatever you're going through now, it'll be forgotten about in a week. Yeah, yeah it's just exactly. the nature of social media. But, but is that a part of the problem that you don't want it to be forgotten in a week? Do you think that you might feel the need to throw a bit more petrol on the fire? to generate a bit more interest in your book and it's kind of a risky strategy because if you it's not very pleasant to be on the receiving end of it and for one's mental well-being yeah and and yet you're thinking well this is maybe a good strategy getting attention maybe people will commission me to write for newspapers on this controversy and i'm getting myself out there but it's still a stressful thing to put oneself through. I'm not talking about standing up to bullies, but sort of maybe inviting them so as to to use them. Like a clickbait thing. You you'd say of. something that people will take an, a, an extreme view. I mean, is um, it is it worth it, or how are you finding it? Well, it happened again last week, and I didn't like. I didn't even. Like, I didn't invite it. Like I, I literally tweeted. Because I decided that my account had gotten way too big and I thought, I'll make another account that's just for my friends and I'll just keep the big one for promoting the book and that's fine. And then I just said, oh yeah, like follow this if you actually know me. By the way, no Tories and no tariffs, which I didn't think was a controversial thing to say. And then people were tweeting unbound directly to say, how could you publish a woman who doesn't like the Tories and who supports trans rights? She doesn't want Tories to buy her book. And I'm like, I don't even mention the book in this tweet incredible scenes like and then it got to the point where one woman was so angry at me that she started tweeting police scotland about me and i'm like wow i would have thought they'd got a bit more to do yeah the good news is like the cia the cia didn't knock on my door they they get stuff (laughs) like this all the time the cia said yeah we we already know oh him yeah i mean i'm at it again i'm I'm (laughs) slightly concerned the next time i go to america that maybe i'm on some sort of record over there (laughs) but but to be honest no nothing happens with these things you do have another less controversial way of promoting yourself also tell us about that kind of using animals yeah so i have lots of pets and i have um i when i was crowdfunding like i would post pictures of like my hamsters on the manuscript and be like support the book to give good life this is the content i'm here for yeah content (laughs) was it like support the book or the hamster gets it (laughs) Someone did that a few years ago. Do you remember? Years ago, it was like, pay us this money or we kill the rabbit. And of course, there was no... The reason they got away with it is there's no law about killing rabbits. (laughs) They didn't really kill the rabbit. No, they didn't. The whole thing was a hoax, but they made a fortune out of it. So hamsters at that point, but then... Actually, I I hadn't noticed the hamsters. I had noticed some of your other animals. Yeah, I've got three rats. And they've become like... Everyone on Twitter really likes seeing them. And then like literally, I'm at the point now, though, where I was like... When the trolling was happening, I had a I had a video of my of my rat giving me a kiss because I don't know why she likes it. She just likes doing it. And um, I thought 
I can't have that on my Twitter. They're going to accuse me of bestiality. I know they will. <laughs> what? Just because this rat's like came up and given with me a, a rat. Kiss. Yeah. yeah. Like, like honestly, these people are insane. Because I do put on a lot of content for free. Like I do promote my book by writing short stories, and I don't charge anyone to read them. Um, the only thing that I charge for is the book itself, which isn't particularly expensive. But in terms of like free content there is like easily enough for like a short story collection which i'm more than happy for people to read and she's and got I'll... pets to feed people so with the the new tories the controversy the snogging rats and actually giving people free content what impact has this had do you think either on your profile or on sales no i don't know exact numbers i know it went they decided on a reprint quite quickly which was great um, I think it was within like two or three weeks, which was good. That's very um, good. Mm. And like the initial print run was bigger than I thought it would be. So I'm just going to keep promoting the book, really. I think the only thing that I was doing, which unintentionally could be pro- provoking controversy, was I'd already planned out my second novel. It's called <laughs> Kathy Get Your Dancing Shoes On, and it's about a student teacher in Glasgow. And I knew it needed something else. So I had a call with my editor, literally this time last year. And um, I was, and we sort of decided that, like, what would her mission be, which was to promote Scots literacy in schools. And she's facing all these people who say, you can't do that. It's not English. And I'm like, at that point, no, I didn't think, I did not think Scots was controversial at this point. And now it is. And now I'm in the firing line. But I will finish that book. I'm quite happy to do that. And I'm aware that this time I am kind of deliberately prodding them. I've also got a troll um, who I've become fascinated with her because she's so mental. She literally searches Twitter for words that she doesn't like so she can attack the people using them. And um, I've decided to write a short story about her. (laughs) (laughs) That is stirring the pot a bit, isn't it? I don't know if I'll ever publish it, but like, I just started writing it because I was so mad at this woman because I was like, it's so weird. She She just comes for people. Like, she insults their children. She just appears from nowhere. I'm like... How do you have the energy for this? Like, it's mad. It's weird, isn't it? There's a story in this, like, because she thought that I I was trying to work out who she was, and she thought I was accusing her of being a porn star, which is why she contacted the police. She said Uh, it was definitely I know who you're talking about now, because I saw some of these messages, and I thought, what's going on here? Because you were having to defend the fact that you had nothing against porn stars. It was was just... Well, you did call her a porn star a bad thing to get called the porn star in question is a very pretty woman like quite frankly <laughs> I, I, I like you know it was just it was so funny i was like the reason why was because i reverse searched her photo and then i was looking at similar images and this woman comes up who looks exactly like her who just so happens to be quite a famous scottish porn star <laughs> there are famous Scottish porn stars. Oh, he says as if he doesn't know. <laughs> There's a lot of faking going on in this studio. Oh no, we've never done this or that or the other. It is yes, funny they though. Are. They're very big on OnlyFans. Well, there you go. These these trolls though, they're extraordinary. I had I had one bad review for one of my books, and I couldn't understand the review because it just said I really didn't like this book. It was very racist, and I thought. It's a book of facts, and there's no mention of race anywhere in the book. So, exactly. I looked. I looked at the person's. Well, maybe that's what she meant. Yeah, there's not enough racism in this book. So I then, as you said, did a reversing on the profile of the person who left the comment, and she. Well, it was a female name at least. She. All the reviews she'd left were basically saying this is racist, but it was on reviews of things like a bottle of bleach, or <laughs> or a hamster cage. I mean, it was just 
really bizarre products and every for every review was this is really racist it's one thing as an offer to like if you do something and you know it's controversial but you also believe in what you're saying yeah. i believe in what i'm saying yeah yeah so do i just not say it anymore or do i continue to say it knowing i'm going to get stick for it but also although that stick sucks it is selling me books so really just put on your big girl pants and deal with it kind of thing because it just seems to be part of the territory. I guess I just don't want it to the point where it's every single day because it's exhausting, like having your phone explode all the time. Like, I don't like that aspect of it, but I'm also not going to... It's difficult because, like like I said, that thing about the Tories, I didn't think was controversial. So I'm like, oh, yeah, so basically anything I say now can be taken out of context as a comment about my book, like literally anything. I could post a picture of the rat looking cute and everyone would be like... I don't know. But Emma, people, you know, the trolls have always existed. I, in the olden days, used to edit the problem page Mm -hmm. for Dr. Miriam Stoppard on the TV Times. And I have had several letters that you can imagine what was in them, including some pubic hair. And, you know, that was lovely. And that was, you know, before we could just tweet things immediately. So they've always been out there. I think it's just what you said, Stephen, about it's an immediate splurge that was a wrong word to use after that I story say, oh, so i you now got my edit well, well the other thing is to bear in mind that these people are in the minority as well yeah they uh, are they and we focus on them because yeah. they shout loud but the vast majority of the public just get along they just rub along yeah. quite happily but you always oh, remember the negative really nice like review, the first tools i ever had were actually the maga crowd to make america great again as a journalist like one guy wrote like what I can only describe as an essay about me, about how my biggest problem in life was that I was really jealous of Melania. I remember <laughs> reading it in the bath. Well, if the cat like, fits, love. <laughs> I was like, wow, incredible. Amazing. The, 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 the American trolls are kind of weird because they will take the time to email you directly. <laughs> which I think is a real It's extraordinary. Very considerate. Well, all you need to do, of course, is say thank you very much for getting in touch. Maybe you'd like to... Buy a book. Buy a copy of <laughs> Be Good to Your Mummy. Or if you don't, fan- if you don't fancy that, call me mummy. Call me mummy. Oh, gosh, you could do a, you could do a combination. buy the book and start a bonfire with it if they were so angry, because at least then they would have bought it. At least in the back, yeah. Mm. If you hate my book, buy a hundred. I'll do you a discount. You can burn them all. I don't mind as long as the money's in my bank account. Emma, Gray, thank you very much indeed for coming on We'd Like a Word. Yeah, and no worries. Be Good to Your Mummy is available now. <sighs> so... A question you know I like to ask you in particular, Tina, is... is, tell me things. Tell me things. (laughs) It doesn't have to be about your book. You've had a fascinating and varied career, and you just alluded to part of it there uh, with the TV Times uh, pubic hair recipient uh, correspondent. Did they think they were writing to the Tufty Club? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Now take a short break. Well, people compose themselves. Right. Showbiz, the stories of showbiz over oh, the years. showbiz. In a former lifetime, I was a showbiz reporter for GMTV and previously to that, I was a children's show presenter on TVAM. So I've worked with all the greats, Roland Rat. I know you're impressed. I have Very impressed and Emma Gray would be impressed too. Yes, she would. He was lovely. I got a hug from George Harrison. Oh, um, nice. It was talking about his son, and he was almost always my favourite Beatle. I met Dolly Parton and Wonder Woman and RuPaul, although not at the same time, but all in the corridors. But it's like really weird doing that showbiz job, you know, going out. But and... Dolly Parton, that she is very cool. Oh, all of 
them are cool. I was in a rugby, rugby scrum with Tom Jones. That was the very first interview I did for TVAM. He was gorgeous, gorgeous. You know, so it's like random. And now I question all of it because some of that was in my drinking days. I think, did it really happen? Yes, it did. And I've got some visual evidence. So, yeah, um, everybody wants to know what Lorraine Kelly is like. And I'd love to make up a story that she's actually English and sounds like the Queen, but she just has one wee tartan room, you know, and she does all the recordings in that. And I'd also love that, you know, she was a bit like Alexis Carrington and, and beasted everybody. But sadly, she's exactly the same on and off. And I always said to her, you know, there's no anecdotes in that. We know what she's like. And she's been, I think, my biggest champion. Um, Have you learned which has been things from some of these people that you've just mentioned? that you're able to use now. I, I don't mean maybe stealing parts of their character and, and putting them in your books, but or that could happen too. But maybe how they, I don't know, how they handle themselves in the world. And there are very, yeah. lots of successful women there. And Dolly Parton in particular does all sorts of great things that yeah, people don't like realise. She's like a real life saint, in my opinion. So RuPaul, for instance, you know, I'm obsessed. I've been obsessed before he did Drag Race. And it is all that I feel I dress in drag. You know, I feel there's a persona that anybody who does any broadcasting, anybody who sticks the head above the parapet just puts on, you know, your professional face. Now, you do that if you work at Greg's or, you know, if you go on the telly and sing, don't you? So, yeah, it, it helps to know how people put the public face on while things are going to hell at home. Uh, while you're dealing with health problems. And also, like for me, it's been like the most exposing thing I've done writing. It's like, here's a slice of my psyche, you know, available now, 5 99 from WH Smith, that sort of thing. It's a weird thing for me because I've met like so many of the soap stars. So, you know, I was a judge on the National Soap Awards, British Soap Awards and stuff like that. And those people who act do it as a living they're much better than us as broadcasters because every day they put on somebody else's clothes they say somebody else's words if you're an author it's your words isn't it i had hell of a job you know trying to listen to the audiobook because the voices are different in my head and then she's a great actress kirsten hexeth who's, who's sort of you know reads it but it was quite scary for me to hear my own words back so it's all right when you're writing. I think that's um, it is that introvert extrovert thing. I've, I found listening to the audiobook slightly odd as well. The so in Blackwater Town, my book, Patrick Moy, an Irish actor from Dublin, reads it, and he's got a lovely accent and he he sounds really good. But it's just strange. It's I mean it's strange hearing your own voice in back, back yeah. being played, but. The one I thought worked very well is actually your one, Steve. A yeah, Murder to yeah, Die yeah. For, followed by The Diabolical Club. And it was Rula Lenska. It was Rula The woman Lenska. of, you know, a thousand voices. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a weird thing. So I'm I'm a different kind of writer because I don't put my psyche into my books. So A, I, I write comedy when I write fiction. And the rest of the time I write nonfiction, which is basically just me writing about things that I find fascinating. And... For me, it was a revelation when Ruler recorded the first two novels because she she didn't just read the book. She acted. You know, she's an actor. She's a very yeah. good actor. And she actually played the roles and she did the voices. And she's got that lovely gruff voice as well. She could do the men and the women. 
and I listened to it. It was like listening to someone else's book, but I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. But yeah, obviously, I I had a very clear idea in my head of what I thought the characters were like, and then she would play one of the characters on the audiobook and think, oh, I don't know, I think she, I think she, I think her version is better. There were a couple of times I disagreed, but a lot of the time I thought her characterizations were better and. I could really visualise it as a TV show when I heard the audiobook. It's like when I've read a book, it, it's so rare when a film or TV adaptation is better than what's in my mind. Oh, very rare. Very Isn't rare. Isn't it? that? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I don't know if that's an arrogance or whatever. I mean, we didn't have a telly when I was growing up. We had radio. So I was used to that sort of making up pictures in my mind before, you know, I could read. My old boss on QI, he always used to say radio's got all the best pictures. And, and yeah. it's true, I mean, because he was, he was very good mates with Douglas Adams. And oh, he Douglas remembered Adams. chatting to Douglas. I mean, I'm, I was lucky to meet Douglas a couple of times. And um, I always remember him saying that they'll never be able to successfully make Hitchhiker's no. Guide to the Galaxy as a TV series or a film because you have to use your imagination so much to imagine a factory for where they're building planets or things like this. And the other thing with Douglas is that, rather like P.G. Woodhouse, all the joy of reading their books is in the language yes. and the turn of phrase, and that doesn't translate to it being dramatised. I mean, you know, Fry and Laurie did a great job with Jeeves and Worcester, but they're nowhere near as funny as the actual books. I mean, you can't you can't take some of those turns of phrase and just turn them into an actor doing something. You just can't. So, Even if the actors are brilliant and yeah, they bring absolutely. something else to it, it's, absolutely. it's such a different beast. I mean, how do you act a line like... Was it her smile evaporated like breath off a morning razor? You can't, you can't just act that, can you? <laughs> All the joys in the language. Yeah. I'm, I'm a bit disturbed because Paul's fingering my book again. I am. You see? I, there were a couple of things I wanted to ask you about. Ooh. So I like the, uh, on the front cover. You like the picture. The tagline. No, the tagline's says, great. She wanted a child, so she took one. It's, you know, bang, there, which is great. And you're, the way you start every chapter, it's like with a very short sentence, maybe five that or six even words. Deliberate. I, because of being a journalist, it's editing mm. yourself. I mean, it's not all short sentences. No, but, but the something bang Punchy, and then yeah. and then another punch, and it it really feels like the very least a very hard finger finger poke. One of my uh, lovely colleagues from the MA said it was like reading a particularly angry hedgehog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've got a lot of unresolved fury. Yeah. Maybe we've reached the end of this episode. And our and careers. And our careers. <laughs> and our careers, yes. It's it's been a bit of a marathon. I'm not sure how much of it will make the final cut. I know some of it will definitely be removed. And you'll have to guess what we took out. <laughs> <laughs> definitely some of the things that I've said. And anyway. you heard live bleeping. I've never had to do that before, live bleep myself. I'm glad. We're all learning new skills. As we go along. As new we go skills, along. new skills. Uh, so it's been wonderful having, who have we heard from? Fiona Sherlock and her game. Moo. Uh, and we heard from the players, yes. led by Mark Vent. Thank you very much to all of you guys for doing that. Uh, we heard from... Lulu Allison. Lulu Allison. And her mad hats. Mad hat lady. <laughs> yeah, the mad hat lady. <laughs> uh, author of Salt Lick. And we heard from Scott's writing author, Emma Gray. Gray. Yep. Embroiled in controversy. Even though she didn't intend it to. And there's no reason why it should even exist in controversy, but hey-ho. But it could come in handy at times. Oh, yeah. And with us here, live. Tina Baker. Live. As live as I get at this time. Live and very sparkly. Tina Baker, author of Call Me Mummy, which is really good. I really enjoyed it. I've got it here, the hardback. It's it's quite muddy, actually. It's 
it's shamefully muddy, <laughs> but it, it's proof that I have actually taken it out and read it as well as dropping it in the middle of reading it. So Call Me Mummy is great. And the title of her next book is also great. Remind us again, I'm too scared to say it. Nasty Little Cuts. Mm-hmm. So watch out for that too. I thought I was risking it with my book title. Mm. So. Do you want to remind us of your book title, Steve? Yeah, it's Corrings. Spelt? But it's spelt. But it's spelt C-O-C-K-E-R-I-N-G-S. So it looks like Cockerings, but it's Corrings. It's pronounced Corrings, you see. There you go. Just be careful how you Google it. We sail close to the wind and we'd like a word. And that's the end of this episode. Thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to me, Paul Waters. And me, Stephen Colgan. And look forward to talking to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Until the next time, you've been listening to We'd Like a Word. <laughs>